Welcome to another Sunday experience at Resurgent Church. Each time we gather, whether it be online or in person at Resurgent, our mission is to see hearts revived, relationships restored, culture reformed, and nations reawakened. Today, as you listen, it's our prayer that something within you comes alive to the things of God, whether it be His great love for you or the good things He has planned for your future. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon. Well, hey, church, welcome to our new series for this month of March called Born for This. We really felt prophetically that God wanted to stir us up as we're coming out of this pandemic and hopefully into a new normal without lockdowns in the future to be reminded that all that what we've gone through and all the things that are still yet to come, the different challenges and even disappointments, the mountains and the things that we're called to climb, that you were born for this, to realize and recognize that God has given you uh, resilience and steel in your bones to be able to overcome anything that comes at us. And I actually believe as we come out of this pandemic and into this new world and this new norm with so many great opportunities, and can I encourage us as a church to be reminded of the Bible that says we are not called to live in fear, but we're called to have eyes of faith. And so even with new things changing, the models of church, business, life, working from home, working from in-person, a hybrid model, and all that's happening around the world, the metaverse and technology and real estate, and feels like there's so much change, and there is. There's going to be a lot more. But as the people of faith, as the people of God, we are not called to fear these things, but have faith in that God is still on the throne and to actually lead us and guide us through it to a place of opportunity. I actually believe that there is greater opportunity from the church than we've ever had before. But I would be lying if I didn't say that I have had and have to battle with some fears around that and the change around some of those things. Some people may never come back to church physically but will be watching in a part of church uh, from their living rooms or in the future with a headset as our church evolves and grows into that as we have plans and we have vision for so that we can reach more people and build a greater community but remind them that no matter where they are, they can still be part of this church. It's a challenge. It's challenging. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And the one thing as a Christ follower that I must always be present and aware of is am I walking in fear with all of this happening and change? Or am I walking with faith that I know God is with me and for me and gonna lead and direct me as we move forward and actually look for the opportunity to reach someone for Christ? Someone who's an atheist may never walk into through the doors of our church physically, but they may online. They may have been reached by the gospel in a different way, in a different room, because we were led by the Holy Spirit to step out and do like what we're doing today, which is pre, like recording our services so that if you're not in person with us today, 
you can be reached by our community with the gospel of Christ. And I believe, hopefully touched by the presence of Jesus right where you are. We must be led by faith and not by fear. So we have this whole series to remind you that you are actually like Esther was all of those thousands of years ago as one of the tools that God used, one of the people God used to deliver the children of Israel in a very challenging and uh, scary and fearful situation to be used by God for the deliverance of his people, that as we continue to step out, we are born for this, to be used by God to bring deliverance to the community around us with the message and hope of Jesus Christ. There is so much more in you, friend. You are born for this. Don't let anybody or anything tell you differently. So the message today around this whole series in March around Born for This is I want to concentrate, concentrate on this thought, building convictions of steel. As we're born for this, we also must know what we're born for and have anchors in our life to be able to project us forward even in troubling seasons and times. Building convictions of steel. What are your convictions, friend? Could you name them? Could you think about what your convictions are? What you go to in highs and lows in the situations and circumstances that you are presented with in your life? I want to go straight to Thessalonians 1 verse 1 in the New Testament. As we come around this thought of born for this, and specifically today, talking about building convictions of steel. Thessalonians 1 verse 1 says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of Thessalonians in God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for us, specifically, resurgent church. But anybody else that's listening to this broadcast, wherever you are, you are the church. He's saying grace and peace to you. I love that. Because no matter what, let's Bring the grace and the peace of God into every moment of our lives. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. He says, we remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. I love that. Faith, love, hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Remember, no matter what season you're in, he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. That's what I love about the word of God. The word of God instructs us, but the Holy Spirit empowers us. We have the guide and we have the power to continue to move forwards in the call of God. I love that. He says, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So with the Holy Spirit and the conviction, the anchors that we have in our lives, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Friend, I know God is really saying something to our church right now. We weren't born to lead a church that just wants comfort. Now, friend, I love comfort. Every time in the middle of winter that right now we're hopefully coming out of, but what we've just been through in February, which is always the darkest and harshest month 
of the year. It's the darkest for mental health throughout Canada and especially in Quebec. It's the highest suicides. There are a lot of dark days throughout February. And that's why as the children of light, we've got to keep allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us as we, as we inspire and encourage people around us through dark moments and dark days. But coming through that into March, I would love more comfort. <laughs> I would love to be uh, maybe in a beach right now somewhere in the world with a drink and a book. I would love to be somewhere that's more comfortable when it comes to my day-to-day. Comfort is comfortable, but yet Comfort never builds anything. Comfort never actually changes anything. We need comfortable moments, but comfortable lives is actually a fallacy. We're going to need to contend with our salvation and our beliefs, and I believe that those days are coming more and more. But you and I were born for more. We were born for this. Yes, I love comfort, and there's moments of comfort and comfortable things that we should enjoy and we should embrace. But a comfortable life, I guess, not real. We're going to have tough times. I mean, gold is extracted, purified through, through destruction and pain. Beautiful things are molded and created through having to contend our lives as we are followers of Jesus as we are, as we are molded and, and uh, as we're created through challenging seasons is what actually brings resilience. Friend, it's not just about comfort. It's about conviction. Underlining all of the amazing things about the life of Jesus, there is a very real fact that our life will not always be easy. The church is in great days, but the stronger it gets, the more obvious the spiritual battles become. The more need there is for knowing whom we serve and why we live the life we do. The enemy doesn't want us to take ground. So every time we do, there's gonna be a level of discomfort. And I think as the church, more than ever, we gotta keep being reminded that we are going to live uncomfortable lives in many different ways, but they actually produce endurance, resilience, and more Christ-likeness. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 15 to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And then Peter's always the first to jump up and say something. And half the time he says it before he thinks about it. And I think that was one of the beauty of Peter, uh, about Peter. He says, you're the son of the living God. Jesus responds to Peter, and now I'll tell you. He actually says, hey, you could not have known that. Blessed are you. Uh, What I believe he was saying is that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak more than your flesh, that that rose up and spoke the truth. He says, and now I tell you who you are. You're a rock. You're Peter. You're Petro, Petros, which means rock. And on this revelation of who I am and who you are, I will build my church. A church so expansive with energy that the gates of hell will not be able to restrain or overcome her. The church is going to be built on people like you and I. The church will be built on us. But the church will also come into days of great challenge and persecution. And the church isn't the building. The church is us. 
the community of faith, the people. And your convictions of Christ, uh, of who Christ is and who you are and what you are called to be will be shaken. And we've had that over the last two years. And maybe you're listening to this and maybe now, even as I speak, you're coming under condemnation. No, friend, shake that off and let conviction come on you. That says, hey, you can't change your past and whatever even the last two years has been, but you can change your present that builds your future. Allow convictions, not condemnation. Have a revelation that God's going to give us different comfortable moments and things in our life, but life is not going to be comfortable. And that actually, as we build our convictions and the resilience that he's called us to, then we'll actually build a more stronger, healthier, and more Christ-like life. You see, we need conviction. Conviction refers to the state of being convinced and confident that something is true. It means a strong persuasion or belief. In other words, conviction stands opposed to doubt and skepticism. When we think of a man of conviction, we also think of terms of action, sorry, in terms of action and direction. I want to be someone for my family, for my church family, for my community, where people see me as a man of action and direction. Are you a man or woman of action or direction? Because that's what conviction does. It actually highlights the pathway forward. We think of a person whose convictions have a definite impact on how he lives or how she lives, on what he or she does, says, and where they go. It is like a compass for our future. So I want to share some principles on building convictions of steel today that I believe, and from Scripture, 100% believe that as you build those convictions, they actually build your future. So number one, remember that the goal is Christ-likeness. The goal is Christ-likeness, following Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2 to 3 in the message translation says it like this. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night, you're in our prayers as we acknowledge your work, energized by faith, your labor and service motivated by love, and your, unra- sorry, your unwavering hope in following our master, Jesus Christ, before God, our Father. The whole goal is to become more like Jesus. The, the more of the challenges that we walk through and get through and pass through, the stronger we become the stronger our faith becomes, the stronger our convictions become, the stronger our belief in our future becomes. And what does that become to the people around us? It becomes directional. They see that we have a direction. They see that we have conviction of our future. What did I say before? It is a action and direction. People can follow our actions and our direction when they see that we have these anchors in our life. You see, this life is about following Jesus, picking up our cross, dying to self. I know that's hard. It's, becoming, it's about becoming more like Christ because that's who he is and that's who he calls us to be. A conviction is built on unwavering hope in Jesus. If I believe that my life is about comfort and happiness, I'll never last when times get tough. If my conviction is... I was saved to follow Christ and become more like him, 
then I'll have Christ's likeness as my goal and not comfort. Again, it doesn't mean we don't have elements of comfort and comfortable moments or seasons, but that's not the goal. The goal is Jesus, which means we're going to have to go through some uncomfortable things as we build our resilience, as we contend for our salvation, as we become more like him. The second thought is respond to the but also. The but also. Verse 4 in the message translation, it says, It is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. He loves us, but he's actually called us to something as well. And when you get called to something, when you get called to a cause, I don't think I know of any cause that's comfortable. (laughs) There's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be challenge. There's always going to be obstacles. But what I find is the greater cause of the gospel mission, the Great Commission, but then the smaller causes within that that we have even as the local church, that the fulfillment that comes from that is so much greater than the challenges. God's love is undeserved and unmerited and unearned. But he has also put his hand on you for something special. This doesn't earn his love, but it's how we respond to his love. So we already have his love. And then out of that love, like anybody that you love, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a sibling, a parent, a best friend, out of that love that you receive, you respond with love. You respond with action. I remember testimony of some people that became great friends of ours in my previous church in Australia. They came to our church bankrupt in every way in our previous church, but rose to become pillars, board members, elders in our church community. But here's what they wrote us once many years ago. They said, when we first came to church, we're in a very sad state. We felt like total failures. We let people down in our previous church, and we felt like we'd let down God. We had huge brick walls around our hearts, and we were so afraid that someone might ask us about our past that we kept everyone at a distance. The whole time, we were shown unconditional love and acceptance by the amazing people at church, which was incredible. And I believe we do that at Resurgent also. But I now realize that the most remarkable thing of all was the raw, relentless, and even brutal grace that was extended to us continuously. And this same grace was on everybody else's lips. It was a grace that was absolutely brutal against the walls and barriers that we'd put up around our hearts and from the first time that we set foot into that place. It has been chipping away at those those walls. Well, actually, it's been more like a sledgehammer, smashing them to pieces. Today, we feel like we can breathe again and that we're able to love, serve, and care again. But now we don't serve in order to be loved, but rather we serve because we are loved by God and by the amazing company of people that God has surrounded us with. It is so exciting that we feel so honored to be able to play a small part in something that is so much bigger than we are. I love testimonies of that. That when people come into church, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, or left a mess in one, but wanting to to turn the leaf in a new one, and 
receive brutal grace, <laughs> where it just sledgehammers the walls that they've created for relationship and intimacy down and see the love of God, the but also. But there's another one. Third thought is work the words into your life. You want to build convictions of steel? Work the words into your life. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says, when the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. The word came in its own inherent power and in the Holy Spirit and with great conviction and absolute certainty. It came in you. It, uh, it was wedged and worked in you. You've got to get convictions in you. You've got to have faith statements that aren't just rhetoric, but you carry like life messages that even when, you're, uh, when a bad moment happens and you are expecting blessing and you, 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 you got cursing instead, you're able to, because you fall back onto your convictions, start to speak life over that circumstance, life over that uh, position in your life. When the stock market crashes, when the crypto world, which it has recently, uh, looks like it's falling apart, when the real estate uh, market collapses, and thankfully in Canada, they're a lot smarter here, and they make sure things like that don't happen like other countries. But when other areas of our world, a bad uh, report when it comes to our health happens, do we just fall and collapse into a time of despair? Look, I, am a, I understand moments. God gives us moments to stop and to feel and be present in the moment. And I actually believe it's something I've had to learn to do instead of going straight to optimism and faith, to actually own the moment, to be present with the pain of what has just happened or what is present in front of me so that I can feel it, understand it, recognize it, allow it to be reality in that moment. But then what I do is I fall back on my convictions and I start to speak the life of Christ over those things. I fall back on my convictions of who I am, whose I am, who he is, what I am called to, what he has done before and what he can do again. To look for, okay, this, this you know, horse is dead. Let's look for the next horse. Let's, you know, this, this car has blown up, fallen apart. Let's look for what the next one's going to be. Moving forward, not uh, taking the moment to be present with what has happened but to now look forwards in what God can do. Romans 15 verse 5 says, God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. There is comfort in the Word of God. There is comfort in the presence of God. And what does He do? He calls us then to action. And then He will bring the direction of how we move forwards. But it comes back to what do you fall back on when it comes to your convictions. There is an amazing combination of hearing the Word and receiving the Word. Being open and teachable and having the Holy Spirit make it a rhema word. When you are hearing the word of God, something is happening in you. Holy Spirit is putting steel in your convictions. There is a steady, constant calling, 
saying, come on. You choose, though, whether to respond to it. Conviction isn't an, an obligation. It's actually a response. It's not one or another. If it's just Holy Spirit, we can get rocked when circumstances comes. It needs to be backed by the Word. We need the direction and we need the action, the power. He's given us the Word and He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us both. Some of you need to know why you are here. Go to Scripture and contend and wrestle with God. I need to remind myself of the promises about my children and their future, financial provision, healing. These will be challenged over the years, have in the past and will in the future. But I go back towards the promises of God, the convictions that I have of what he says about me and my future, and it causes me to action and direction. Many of you have had promises over your life from Scripture, and we stand on them, but some of them need fresh breath of the Holy Spirit to stir them up again in you and remind you of your calling. We need the fresh breath of God on these things. Otherwise, they can become old and they become stale. How many in my midlife? I don't want to be the guy that's always talking about what God did in the past. Now, those stories are relevant and the right place and the right time, but I always want fresh stories of what God is doing and what God has done so that I'm not living from 20, 30, 40 years ago, but living in from a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, even a year ago of what God has been doing. Otherwise, life becomes old and stale. Others of you need to actually begin working the word into your life and not just let it be theory, but actually be truth. What is Luke 6 verse 43? As I bring this to a close to 45 says, you don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor do apples, um, good apples off, off, sorry, or nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir? Must have been talking about Canadians. But never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundations of his house on bedrock, on stone. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. Friend, I'm telling you, you're built to last until you take your last breath. That's how God's called you. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. God doesn't want a total loss when it comes to your life. So I want to ask you, what are your foundational scriptures for God's calling on your life? Do you know them? And are they fresh in you as living words? What are your convictions? It's a question. It's a challenge. Friend, convictions are strengthened 
in trials. Don't really know a friend until you've seen them go through some trials. You don't know the character of a person until they've gone through some opposition. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5 and 6, as I close, says, you paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the master. Although great trouble accompanied the word, you were able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit, taking the trouble with the joy and the joy with the trouble. We can have comfortable moments. We're supposed to have comfortable things. God is all about blessing and favor. But happiness and a life of comfort, friend, that's not the path for Christ followers. And it's actually not a reality for anyone I've ever met. What we're called to do is to become more like Jesus. That as we go through troubles and challenges, we fall back on our convictions that cause us to action and direction by the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit to be able to move forwards and to shine the light to those around us as we become more like the Master. And in those times, disappointing, devastating, challenging, gut-wrenching, mentally um, excruciating at times, that's when we reach out to receive the joy, to receive the joy of the Holy Spirit, that even as I am troubled, challenged, and in pain, my conviction is that God is good, God is for me, that he loves me, and he has a plan and a future for me. And I will live in the joy of those life-giving words as I come through this, become stronger because of this, and become more like Jesus. People have really struggled these past few years, and so have we. But building convictions of steel is a practice in which others are watching you to see if you will stay at your post, even in the most challenging times. Let's be people whose very lives inspire others to create and strengthen convictions of their own. Let our lives remind people who they can become. Your convictions, friend, create your future. We are born for this. We are called to have convictions of steel. Amen. Friend, it's such an honor to have you engage with our teaching here at Resurgent. This is Vanessa Hoyes and my husband Andrew and I are so honored to communicate the gospel of grace with each of you as you listen, lean in, take what the Lord is saying to you and apply it to your life. If you are curious about what it means to follow Jesus Christ or today something in your spirit leapt around this gospel, this good news of hope and faith that you can have in Jesus Christ. Today you are so welcome to invite Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Saviour. And you can repeat this prayer even wherever you are on your walk, in your car, in your room, wherever you are, you can call on the name of Jesus and you can find this gift of salvation. 
I would be honoured to lead you in this prayer today. Why don't we pray together, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me, for dying on the cross for my freedom. I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And today I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, what an incredible moment, not just for this lifetime here on earth, but for all of eternity, you would call on the name of Jesus and one lost person would come home into this saving relationship with Him. We celebrate today with you. Why don't you email us and let us know that you made this decision so we can help you take your next step or tell a friend that you know is a follower of Jesus. And for those who are listening in today and are part of Resurgent Church or would love to sow into this mission that we have here at Resurgent right here in Montreal to see hearts revived and relationships restored and culture reformed and neighborhoods and nations reawakened. That's happening right here in our city and even where you are carrying this gospel of grace wherever God has called you. If you would love to give into this ministry online over at resurgent.church, there's opportunities and ways to give. And we would just want to thank you and bless you one more time for your seed and your investment into the soil of this province here in Canada as we serve the people that we love in this city and beyond. We thank you, friends, for your generosity. Why don't you go today in the name of Jesus Christ? commissioned by his power with the love of the father at the core of who you are today as you go on your way we love you we thank you